48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. People rush to snap up copies of Apple Daily as the newspaper pushes up its print run the day after a national security raid. A lawmaker plays down the idea that police are using the security legislation retroactively. And a court rules that a meeting about social distancing rules in a bar was not a breach of those very same regulations. Pro-democracy tabloid Apple Daily has increased its press run after 500 police officers raided its newsroom yesterday and seized reporting materials as part of a probe into whether articles threatened China's national security. Some newsstands in Central placed announcements saying the paper had sold out. Vicky Wong reports. The newspaper increased the number of copies it printed to 500,000, up from Thursday's 80,000, anticipating strong demand from readers. A similar number was printed after founder Jimmy Lai's arrest in August last year. One reader told Reuters news agency that because of the sensitivity of the matter, he drove to a newsstand around midnight to buy two or three copies of the paper as soon as it was delivered. He said, you never know when this newspaper would die. The front page of Apple Daily reported the raid, saying the police seized 44 hard disk drives as evidence. It's the first case in which authorities have cited media articles as potentially violating the national security law. Police yesterday arrested five executives, including Apple Daily's chief editor, at dawn and froze $18 million of assets owned by three companies linked to the paper. A vendor in Moncock said that they usually sold 60 copies a day, but 1,800 were snapped up by dawn while they waited for the delivery of another 3,000. A Kuaiheng news agent said a man ordered 100 copies and took them away in a trolley. Customers expressed concern about the paper's future. I want to support our, our newspaper for truth. Newspaper for Hong Kong people, Hong Kongers. <laughs> I bought it in cash. They need cash. Because of their cash flow frozen now. Because some people say in the Facebook, if I bought in Circle K or the 7, they cannot get the money maybe. Because their bank account now, they are frozen. They are the only one to tell the truth. So I will support them until the end. Lawmaker Paul Jair has dismissed the idea that the security law was used retrospectively to arrest the five Apple Daily directors. Mr Jair, who is also a solicitor, said police could be relying on articles published in 2019 before the security law was enacted as evidence to prove intent to call for foreign sanctions. The head of the next media trade union, Pung Puk Lam, said he was worried press freedom would be undermined after officers took away 40 computers in the raid. Former lawmaker Tanya Chan has been acquitted of defying the public gathering ban after she met more than 10 people in a bar in Mongkok last year. The Kowloon City Magistracy said in its ruling that it accepted Ms Chan was explaining to people in the bar about social distancing rules announced by the government and the meeting was not subject to the gathering ban. But the bar owner was found guilty of not checking people's temperatures before entering the premises and of seating more than four people at a table. Police in the mainland city of Xi'an have detained eight employees of a gas supplier following a deadly explosion on Sunday. At least 25 people died and around 140 were injured in the blast, which damaged a number of residential buildings and a food market. Overseas, the authorities in Japan are starting a COVID-19 vaccination campaign for around 18,000 people due to work at the Tokyo Olympics next month. The drive comes as the government decided to lift a state of emergency in most of the country. Here's the BBC's Warren Bull. 
The head of the Tokyo Olympics organizing committee, Seiko Hashimoto, says the vaccination campaign will target those interacting closely with the athletes on a frequent basis. They'll include referees, staff in the Olympic Village and anti-doping officials. The aim, she said, would be for personnel to carry out their duties with peace of mind. Ms Hashimoto has said she's considering a cap of 10,000 spectators for Olympic stadiums, with the final decision to be taken by next week. But after so many forced changes, the Japanese government has not ruled out hosting events without any fans if the coronavirus infection rate in Japan gets worse in the coming weeks. Democrats have welcomed the US Supreme Court's decision to reject the latest challenge to the law known as Obamacare. Republican-led states tried to overturn the Affordable Care Act, which provides health insurance for more than 30 million people, but judges ruled the litigants lacked the legal standing to bring the case. Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat House Speaker, said the ruling was hugely significant. Once again, the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act and the transformational protections that it provides every American. I want to thank the grassroots across the country uh, who worked tirelessly as advocates for the Affordable Care Act. Today's Supreme Court decision is a landmark victory. President Biden has signed a bill creating a public holiday to commemorate the end of slavery in the United States. Mr Biden called the move one of the greatest honours of his presidency and spoke of the importance of the day known as Juneteenth. This is a day of profound, in my view, profound weight and profound power. A day in which we remember the moral stain, the terrible toll that slavery took on the country and continues to take. Mr Biden signed the legislation two days before the holiday itself on the 19th of June, which celebrates the emancipation of the last enslaved African Americans in 1865. Congress had approved it with overwhelming support. The polls have opened in Iran, where voters are choosing a new president to succeed Hassan Rouhani. Several of the main reformist candidates have been prevented from standing, leaving three conservative hardliners and one moderate in the race. Here's the BBC's Jeremy Bowen. Iran is not a democracy. It has a repressive regime that is prepared to kill protesters on the streets. But Iranians can vote for their president. The candidates are vetted by the unelected Guardian Council, which in previous years has given voters a choice between the hardline and reformist factions inside the Islamic system. This time, though, the Guardian Council seems to be engineering victory for the hardline head of the judiciary, Ibrahim Raisi, who some believe Ayatollah Ali Khamenei is grooming as his successor. An inquiry into an Islamist attack at an Ariana Grande concert in the British city of Manchester four years ago has found that local security teams missed chances to stop it. 22 people were killed. Here's the BBC's Danny Savage. The failings highlighted in today's report have been described by the lawyer for some of the bereaved families as catastrophic. British Transport Police is criticised for not having an officer in the foyer at the end of the concert that night. The most striking missed opportunity to confront the bomber and reduce the number of people killed was when a member of the public told stewards he was suspicious about the young man with a heavy rucksack. They failed to pass on those concerns and were singled out for criticism. 
Zambia has declared three weeks of mourning to honour the independence leader, Kenneth Kaunda, who has died at the age of 97. Tributes have been paid across the region. In South Africa, the Nelson Mandela Foundation said his contribution to the struggle against colonialism and apartheid would not be forgotten. Mr Kaunda won praise when he stepped down in 1991 after losing his country's first multi-party election. In an interview in 2014, Mr Kawanda was asked how he would describe his legacy. I thank God that he guided me to help fight apartheid, fight colonialism, bring about a situation where race was not a problem, where we agreed to work together as human beings under God's children, going to respond to God's teaching. I would like to be remembered that I contributed to this type of situation. Scientists have discovered that a rare and ancient deep-sea fish has a lifespan five times longer than previously thought. The coelacanth was once thought to have died out with the dinosaurs, but populations were discovered in the last century in eastern Africa and Indonesia. The BBC's Helen Briggs reports. Dwelling in caves on the ocean floor, the coelacanth can grow to six foot long. But it's not just the animal's size that's impressive. Researchers estimate the fish can live for up to 100 years and it breeds late in life, with pregnancies lasting as long as five years. French researchers say these new pieces of information are essential to the conservation and management of coelacanths. Slow-growing fish that produce few young are particularly vulnerable to extinction pressures. The African population is already critically endangered, with possibly only a few hundred individuals left. In financial news, at least half a dozen bids have gone in last for the last piece of commercial land in Central. Tendering for the Central Harbour front parcel ended just minutes ago. Representatives of CK Asset and Sun Hung Kai Properties were seen submitting bids. Analysts expect the prime site to fetch a record price of up to $56.5 billion. The government says it will consider both the proposed design and developers' financial offers. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28.722. That's 163 points up on the previous close. Currency is the US dollar trading at 110.16 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 19 cents. And the pound will get you 10 Hong Kong dollars and 80 cents. To sport, and we start with football's Euro 2020, where the Netherlands and Belgium are the latest teams to reach the last 16. Memphis Depay and Denzel Dumfries scored for the Dutch in a comfortable 2-0 win over Austria. Details from the BBC's John Bennett. The Netherlands could and should have been out of sight by half-time against the disappointing Austria side. Memphis Depay gave them the lead from the penalty spot after just 10 minutes when Denzel Dumfries was caught in the box by David Alaba. But Depay went on to miss some good chances, including slicing the ball over the bar when he nearly had an open goal just before the break. He made up for it, though, midway through the second half, flicking the ball around the corner for sub Donyar Marlin to chase, and he teed up Dumfries for a tap-in. Alaba came close to getting a goal back from long range, but it was a rare scare. A second straight win for the Netherlands, a place in the last 16, a clean sheet, and all that without having to get out of second gear. In the same group, Ukraine with 2-1 winners over North Macedonia. Belgium progressed after they rallied from a goal down to beat Denmark 2-1 in an emotional encounter at the Parken Stadium in Copenhagen. The two sides came together to applaud Denmark's Christian Eriksen in the 10th minute after he suffered a cardiac arrest during their opening match against Finland on Saturday. 
The Belgian manager, Roberto Martinez, said he was pleased with the way his players dealt with the occasion and how they reacted after being a goal down. Very, very proud of the players because this was a, a real test that we haven't had for a long time. Unfortunately, we never had fans in the stadiums and you could see that the first 20 minutes we was almost shell-shocked. We went, we, we went ourselves, we couldn't do what we normally do. Tonight, England take on Scotland at Wembley. England are coming off a 1-0 win over Croatia in their opening game and will look to continue their good start in the tournament against Scotland, who lost 2-0 to the Czech Republic. The England striker Marcus Rashford explains why the challenge against Scotland is so, is so special. There's how the game's actually being played and then there's the atmosphere and, and the crowd and how much you actually want to wanna win. Um, it all comes together and it, there was just something unique about, about that game. Yeah, it's, it's similar to the games that I've played for, for club, you know, against like City and, and Liverpool. It's a different feeling. Meanwhile, the Scotland captain John McGinn says his side are the clear underdogs. I think we'll always be underdogs no matter if we won on Monday or not. We've got a population of 55 million, we've got a population of five. They've got worldwide superstars all throughout their squad, so we're always going to be underdogs, but hopefully it will suit us and we've got a few superstars in our team as well, so hopefully we can play well and, and cause them problems. In the same group, the Czechs face Croatia in Glasgow, Sweden play Slovakia in Group E. In the NBA, the Nets and the Bucks are heading to a winner-takes-all seventh game in their Eastern Conference semi-final series in Brooklyn on Sunday morning. Chris Middleton scored 38 points, a career high in the playoffs, to help Milwaukee win 104-89. On the ice, defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning have the edge in their semi-final series against the Islanders. A goal by Braden Point late in the second period in New York secured a 2-1 win. They lead the best of seven series by the same score. And the Japanese tennis star Naomi Osaka has pulled out of the Wimbledon Championships later this month, but plans to return for the Tokyo Olympics. In May, the world number two withdrew from the French Open, saying she'd been struggling with mental health. Here's the BBC's Russell Fuller. Osaka has been suffering long bouts of depression since winning her first Grand Slam title in New York in September 2018. Her withdrawal from the French Open, after winning her first match, followed a dispute about whether she could be excused media duties in Paris. With just two weeks between the French Open and Wimbledon, Osaka was always unlikely to be ready to compete on the grass. But after spending some time away from the game with family and friends, the Japanese star does feel she'll be ready to pursue a gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. In golf, Russell Henley is the clubhouse leader after the first round of the US Open in San Diego. To end the news, the top stories once again. People rushed to snap up copies of Apple Daily as the newspaper pushed up its print run the day after a national security raid. A lawmaker plays down the idea that police are using the security legislation retroactively. And a court decides that a meeting about social distancing rules in a bar was not a breach of those very same rules. The news... From RGHK.
diamonds shining like my purse, shining like my shoes. See, I've been here on my grind, get mine. And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Friday, the 18th of June, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today. And we have a busy program for you. In about 10 minutes or so, we'll be talking about attitudes towards hijabs. And we'll be chatting with Esma Wu from the Islamic Union of Hong Kong. 
and we hope to bring you that interview on Facebook Live as well. So do join us there this afternoon if you can. And after the two o'clock news on today's Agenda Cafe, we mark Loneliness Awareness Week, which is a campaign run by the Marmalade Trust, which is a UK-based 